This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We're talking about, we started a, 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 I did a message last week called Change and Control. And I want to go into that a little bit more. So we're going to turn it into a series. And uh, last week, anybody remember how nasty it was last week? Yes. And so, and so everyone who wasn't here, that intended to be here, you got a pass. We prayed for you. We believe God for you, everyone. <laughs> but it was, it was nasty last week. So I'm going to recap uh, a little bit. Before we, we recap, let's pray. And, and let's, trust, let's trust that if you came here tonight, how many of you believe you ought to leave with something? And leave with more than how you came in. Father, we thank you for this time. We're grateful for it. We thank you, Father, for your word and for your spirit. The Father, between the two of those, we should have access to truth and to wisdom and to light and to insight and things that change us. Father, give us hearts to hear. Give me words to speak that bring life. And Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory because we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are if it wasn't for you and your goodness in our life. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Last week, I started a subject called, we called it, change and control. And I started talking about some of the things that we cannot control. Can't control the weather, can't control the government, can't control world economy, and we can't control other people. That was very disappointing to the crowd that was here, but <laughs> it, it was, it, it's the truth. You cannot control people. You cannot make people do what you want to do. In fact, if you try to make people do what you want to do, we call it manipulation. And nobody likes to be manipulated or forced to do anything. Now, you might force someone to do so. You might put a gun to their head and force them to do something, but you sure haven't changed their heart. And so oftentimes in dealing, especially in a free economy and a free people like we are, you can't make someone do something. And here's, and here's what became a surprise to many people. Even God is not going to make you do something. Now, a lot of times people have a problem. Well, God's, God's God. He, he makes people do anything. No, 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 no. Think about it. The most important thing to God is that the world might be saved. True? That's why we give the gospel all over. We take the gospel all over the world. Why? Preach the gospel because we want to see people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But God doesn't make people get saved. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would bet you that there are more than five people in this room tonight that heard the gospel, but it was a few years between the time they heard the gospel and they made a decision for Christ. They could have, they could have made the decision right then. God didn't make them, and he's not going to make you. And so you're not going to make people. So you're praying, oh God, and here's, don't pray this way. For relatives, for people you love, bust them, God. Break them down. <laughs> Ruin their lives so they turn to you. <laughs> now, here's, here's the, the challenge with that is, I know people whose lives have ruined, and instead of turning to God, they got mad at God and turned away from Him. And so that's not even a good way to pray. So well, how do I pray for my lost loved ones? i got people I want to reach. Pray what Jesus said. The harvest is plenteous. Ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. Ask him to send people into their lives that they will listen to. People who come across their path. It's amazing. Have you ever noticed sometimes how hard it is to reach relatives? Because they're looking at you going, I changed your diaper. And you're going to tell, you're going to tell me? <laughs> I remember. And people, that, I remember you when you were. That's why, that's why Jesus said, prophet's not without honor except in his own home. 
and among his own family. But say, Lord, if they won't listen to you, then ask the Lord to send people across their path that they will listen to. It's amazing. God sent a five-foot-three, dark-haired Italian beauty in a, in a, in a leopard-skin bikini across my path. Got my attention. I'm like, I'm in, Lord. Yeah. Here am I. Send me. I'm all in. This is, this is great. So you say, well, will God do that? Yeah, pray. He'll send. There's, some, there's somebody they'll listen to. And so pray along those lines. Can't control people. Here's some areas we talked about that we can control. We can control expectations. We can control our response to people. We can control our attitudes and perspectives. Let me again recap what we talked about last week. Some areas, three areas that we can exercise control that I'm going to talk tonight about. I want to go into mind control. In fact, the, the, the title of this message is Mind Control Without Weirdness. It's an actual title. I've been doing this for a long time, so you start getting pushed for titles. So here's mine. Mind control without weirdness. What'd you talk about tonight? Well, pastor talked about controlling your mind without being weird about it. That might get their attention. Here's three areas. Psalms 34, one through three. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Three areas you can control. One, you can control praising God. I choose what's continually going to be in my mouth. It's my choice. And I, I know before I, I came to the Lord for a long time, I, I, had, I had pretty foul language. I was, I was a, a very proficient cusser. I, I, I put combinations together. I, I, struggled. I, I wasn't an occasional guy. I had a foul mouth. But I noticed that after I came to the Lord, I didn't want to do that anymore. And so now I, I can tell you for you, I haven't cussed in years. And so some of you are thinking, that's impossible. It's not impossible. But here's something that will help you. If you can replace the cussing with praise, it will make a difference. And you can just begin to say, and, instead of cussing, you can just go, well, praise God. That's a whole lot better. Somebody pull out in front of you, go, I, praise the Lord. <laughs> Bless them, Jesus. Help them. Jesus, take the wheel. The left front wheel off their car. No, I'm not talking. I'm not talking that. But you can put something different in your mouth. I will, I will, what I continually have in my mouth. Here's the next thing. What I boast about. We, we live in a very boastful uh, culture. We live in a boastful generation. I mean, we are in a selfie, selfie, touting, promoting, I'm so awesome culture. And, and there's, it's a little different. You say, I'm, I'm going to boast in the Lord. The Lord's been good. Well, you've done such a great job. It's okay to say, you know, the Lord helped me. The Lord's been merciful to me. Sometimes when things are going good in your life, people want to give you all the credit. If you're smart, you won't take all the credit. Because the Lord knows where you used to be before he got a hold of you. And the Lord knows how much he's helped us. I want to ask for a show of hands, but a lot of us were messed up before the Lord found us and before we found him. And uh, I tell you what, I, I give him a lot of credit. People say, oh, you enjoy have such a wonderful marriage. We used to have a horrible marriage. Well, well, the Lord, yeah, the Lord helped us. He had mercy on us. He had mercy on us that Joy was willing to stay with me. She had opportunities to leap, almost did, but she stayed. Thank you, Lord. That's the mercy of God. 
You know, a lot of times we just stay in there long enough to let God work on both of you. You can actually wind up with a really good marriage. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes, but it was free, totally free tonight. <laughs> so, so I, who we boast in, it's just okay to give credit to the Lord. The Lord helped us. He's been, he's been good to us and uh, had been gracious to us. Here's the third one. What do I magnify in my life? What do I magnify? So in other words, I have a choice as to what I'm going to make big in my life. Um, Matthew 6 chapter. I'll go ahead and put that up on the screen. I'm going to show you something. Excuse me. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now that's one of those things that Jesus shares about. And you're like, what? What? He's, he's talking about eye. If you've got a good eye, your body's full of light, and your eye is bad, you're full of... <laughs> I didn't know Jesus would say things a lot of times. We still kind of shake our heads and go, uh, Lord, what were you talking about? But here's, here's the thing. We have a choice of what we can magnify and make big in our lives. If you magnify the negatives, it's going to begin to distort the perspective that you have. What Jesus is talking about is not your natural eyes. He's talking about your perspective of life. If your perspective is good, if it has full of light, you're going to have a good perspective in life. But how many of you know if you have a negative perspective, then everything becomes darkness around you. And if you magnify, one of the challenges is if we magnify all the negatives, what that does is it, it begins to distort our perspective. And then you can lose sight of all the things that are good. You begin to magnify, you know, you have a problem, you start magnifying, man, I got this car, and I'm telling you about this car, man, that's giving me trouble in this car, and this, this car is messed up, I got a messed up car, I don't know why I have to have a messed up car, but it's a jacked up car, never liked it in the first place, I don't even like the stinking color of the car, and I don't know why I've got it, yeah, but it was her idea to get it, and she wanted to get it, and so we got it now. And you know what? I tell you what, too. If I'd been, if she'd listened to me, we'd gotten another car. Probably wouldn't be having this problem. But if she listened to me, we'd probably be in a whole lot better situation anyway than we are right now. But does anyone ever listen to me? No. None of the kids don't listen to me. Nobody <laughs> listens to me. And you can take <laughs> your alternator not working and blow that up until your whole life is just messed up. <laughs> just look straight ahead and go, praise God, I'm glad I came tonight. This is really... <laughs> But if whatever you start magnifying, it, it begins to distort your perspective. I, I'm really convinced this is one of the key reasons the Lord tells us to give thanks always. Because if we're giving thanks always and praising God always, it helps us keep a perspective. I don't know about you, I have a, I have a tendency to be the, the next problem fixer guy. In a church this size, I, I know this is going to surprise you, occasionally we have problems. Yeah, yeah, really. And, and after I get Joy fixed, we're going to be in great shape. <laughs> no, she's not it. Uh, but problems crop up. Things crop up. And if you're not careful, you can get, God can give you wonderful answers. And you're like, yeah, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. But I, look, look at this. Now we've got to fix this. Have you ever noticed that most of life is that way? You get one thing fixed and something else shows up. Anybody ever watched the Ed Sullivan Show years ago? Ed Sullivan Show, this is for, for those of you who are not, Ed Sullivan Show was what they used to call a variety show. They don't have them anymore. 
but they had variety shows, and they bring people on. I, well, I guess things like America's Got Talent. That's a variety type show. They used to have plate spinners. Remember plate spinners? It's, it's, a, it's a dying art. <laughs> but they get these plates and they, on these sticks, and these sticks are sticking up, and they get these plates spinning. And they get the thing, man, they, they're spinning sticks on, uh, plates on these sticks, and then the guys have got to run around and they're constantly spinning these things to keep them going. And this is how a lot of people live their life. They got a problem over here with their family. I can get this one up. And then something goes wrong with their business. And they're over here and they got this one fixed. And then and the kids go nuts and we're right here. And then the spouse goes crazy and then the in-laws get. You can live your whole life that way. So how are you doing? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm making it. <laughs> I'm waiting for Jesus to come back because <laughs> I'm so tired <laughs> of spinning plates. And you can lose a, a whole perspective. And this is, why, this is why what we magnify in our life is key. How do you magnify? What I keep in my mouth, what I keep on my mind. What I keep in my mouth, what I keep on my mind. And then magnifying the Lord represents a shift in how we typically operate. We want God to be bigger. But think about it. You know, you know some people that God is really, really big to. And some people that they have no thought for God. And, and what's the difference? Well, a lot of us, it's, it's our heart for him. I talked about tonight. If we if we'll come close to him, he'll come, he'll come close to us. And so I it's always love to see people come back, especially in the beginning of the year when people come back to church. I, I, think, it's, I think it's a heart for God, a hunger. They want something. But I've I got good news for you. If you're hungry for God, you'll find him. You want more of him this year? That's available to you. He's not withholding. And so what we can do is we can begin to go, Lord, I want to magnify you. And one of the best ways you magnify what, what you're thinking about and what's coming out of your mouth. I'm going to go ahead and show you that scripture anyway. I think it's important. And I realize I've just recapped last week. But it's Joshua 1.8. And it says this book of the law, this was instructions to Joshua. We can, we can put God's word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. He said, he said God's word needs to be, it becomes, it becomes a basis for our thoughts and it becomes a basis for our words. And that does not mean that I'm speaking scripture all the time. I think sometimes people thought, okay, I, I got to speak a scripture. And they want to know what I want at the, at the Chick-fil-A drive-in. I don't have a scripture for that. What do I tell them? <laughs> tell them you want grilled nuggets and, then, and, and a salad. But you don't have to speak scripture all the time, but what needs to come out of us needs to have a scriptural base. Something goes on with our family. Instead of going, oh, dear God, our whole family, Lord, we're so messed up. My kids, they're going to, I can tell they're going to jail. Lord, they're going to go, they're going to go to jail. They're never going to amount to anything we're just a messed up family. There's no scriptural basis for that. What you might want to do is say, Lord, I want to thank you that you said you would be an ever-present help in time of trouble. You said, Lord, if I, if I would turn my heart toward you, if I write, I'd raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, even when they're old, they're not even going to depart from it. So, Lord, I want to thank you that you've got a wonderful plan for my kids, and jail's not their destiny. Your plan is their destiny, and it's a good one. Two different things. What are we going to magnify? What's in our mouth? What's in our mind? Now, 
Speaking of mind, let's, let's talk about this tonight. Mind control can be a very good thing. Mind control can be a very good thing. But here's the deal. You can't control someone else's mind and don't try. And if someone tries to control your mind, I want to hypnotize you so I can help you uh, break cigarettes in your life. I want to hypnotize you so I can help you break up. I, 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 there's something about that that's not right. Because you don't want to yield control of your mind to anybody else. Because it's your mind. And that's, that's, that's yours. And there will be a barrier that goes up and goes, no, no, no. I went to a class on hypnotism one time. I was in college. They offered a class on, on hypnotism. It was, a, it was a night class. I walked in and it was packed. And I'm, I'm sitting in there in this, in this class and I thought it was real interesting because, because the instructor kept setting us up. He kept saying, what we found is that people who are most easily hypnotized are usually people with the highest IQ. Can you, can you see that set up? Because you're sitting there thinking, Okay, I got a pretty high IQ. I guess I'm a candidate. Then you start to think, whoa, wait a minute. Because no one wants to sit there and go, no, I'm stupid. I never will be hypnotized. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to turn your mind over to anybody. But we do want to be able to control our own minds. And here's the deal. This is a lifelong process that takes practice. So I don't, I don't want to mislead you. I don't want you to think, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this in control. This is a process, but if you'll begin it, you'll get better at it. Great scripture in, in Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 6, it says, for to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here's the, here's the contrast. Fleshly minded, spiritually minded. What are our thoughts producing in us? Life and peace or death? Now, when we say death, oftentimes people think of graveyard dead. You know, it's graveyard dead. Death, when the Bible talks about death, it's talking about separation. Separation from God. So what's involved with death is the, the fear, anxiety, dread, depression, torment. Nothing good about that. Now, all of us can look at our life, and we can look at different times in our life, and I can say, I know times where my thoughts have brought life and peace and where my thoughts have brought torment. And that you can get on something, and it just bothers you. Now, again, not ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have ever had this experience? You're having a good day, and then somebody says something, or you get a text or something comes in, and all of a sudden your thoughts go negative. And maybe, maybe it's an area that's a weak area of your life. Maybe it's someone who has done you wrong, and all of a sudden they show up again, and they said something. Maybe not about you, but they said something about your children or your grandchildren. Uh-oh. And how many of you know it's so easy in our thoughts to go negative? And you were doing fine. And all of a sudden, you get that look on your face. People around you go, what's wrong? You go, nothing. <laughs> they go, oh, no, no, something's wrong. 
No, nothing. No, it's something. I mean, it, it might not be out here, but here's where the battle is, right in here. And it said to, to be spiritually minded, to be carnally minded. It's a process. And so what we're, what, we're, what we're learning to do and what I want to talk about is how do we begin to control those thoughts? Because here's what people think. Helen, I can't help, help myself. I was doing good, and then I got this text, and this is what they said about my baby, and it, it just made me so mad. You can't believe what they have done and the injustice and the fact that, do you know what he did to me? I am telling you, it is, and you get worked up. But if you're not careful, you'll stay worked up. And then you'll get up in the night worked up. Go to sleep and wake up. You ever go to sleep and just wake up? Start thinking about something to get mad. Can't even go back to sleep. It's like, and then I could do this, and then they would say this, and then I would do this. <laughs> you look up, it's 4.30 in the morning. You've been, you've been doing that for two hours. Oh, maybe I'm the only one. I mean, no, there's no life and peace in that, is there? No. It's torment in that. So the key is, does it have to be that way? Now, the challenge is often we've been raised in an environment where maybe that's the norm. Or maybe you'd never, ever resisted in those areas. And so this is, just, this is something new. And so, again, maybe I'm saying something tonight, and you're like, well, I, I can't help myself. I, I can't control. Listen, that's one of the enemy's biggest lies is that you can't help yourself. Now, maybe in the past you have not been able to resist it, but one of the greatest truths you can get a hold of is I can help myself, and I can. I don't have to think this way. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Lord, help me learn to become more spiritually minded. Is it possible? Yes, or that scripture would not even be accurate. Why would he even tell us that? One th I, I, one, I love this about the Lord. He doesn't dangle things out in front of us that we can't reach. So we're no, no. He tells us what's available, and we have to believe him and take hold of it. This is why Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, Timothy, he said, fight the good fight of faith. He said, lay hold on eternal life so we can lay hold on it. So this is a process. And if God never wanted his people troubled and tormented. He never did. Let me share the scripture. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I, I, I'm going I'm to jump into that next week. Let me... Um, you know, there's, this is one of those subjects. There's just a whole lot to say. And this is a subject where I believe a lot of people have challenges. One thing they're starting to bring to light now is, is, is mental health. And they, they talk about uh, physical health. We understand that. We talk, about, uh, we, we talk about things we can do. There's been a lot of progress that's been made in areas of our life where we can, we, we know more about how to take care of ourselves physically. People are living longer. The science has improved on that. And so we're learning some things. Those of us who grew up thinking that a healthy meal was a big steak, baked potatoes, salad, cream gravy, we're thinking, eh, maybe not all the time. And so we learn. And I really think there's some, there's some wisdom that we can learn here on, on the mental side of it. 
And this is where I feel like the church has answers for people that, and I appreciate psychology, but psychology doesn't have all the answers. Psychology often is good at finding the problem, but it's not good at long-term answers. I believe scriptures gives us long-term answers. And I believe the, the bottom line truth is God never intended for his children to be mentally tormented and have things constantly weigh on our mind. There is a way that we can live in life and peace. Now, you say, well, Alan, now you don't realize what I'm dealing with. No, I, I understand that I don't. But you don't know what I'm dealing with. And you don't know what I've dealt with. I, I grew up dealing with a family that, that dealt with depression and moods. My whole family was subject to depression and moods. And you walk in my, you could walk in my house and feel like, uh-oh, something's gone down. Because it, it's almost like a bad mood just settled in over the family. <laughs> Anyone ever experienced that? Not pleasant. And, and my, my mom was given a depression. My dad, I, I didn't think he was, but, but he had areas that he could deal with. It. I've watched it later on in their lives, and I've recognized that this is something that can absolutely torment a family. And so I grew up with a tendency to be depressed. The big joke around my college was, what's wrong with Alan? And they used to, they used to and this is a little crude, they used to say, oh, it's Alan, it's his time of the month. <laughs> now that was a, that, that's a crude reference to the fact that I was in a bad mood. And it was pretty regular or I wouldn't have gotten that moniker. I can also remember being depressed to the point where all I wanted to do was sleep. And if you've never had that happen, thank God. If you've never been depressed or, or never just experienced that, I mean, I, when, you, when you leave tonight, before you get in your car, just stop and say, Lord, thank you that I haven't had to deal with that. But for those of us that have, it is not pleasant. And it is, and, and depression, one of the things about it is, it's dark. And when you look out, you can't see anything good on the horizon. And that's not pleasant. And I dealt with that for a number of years. And, but here's what I have found. I have found that the more I begin to practice, putting into practice what God has said, that my, my depression, the time frame begin to shrink. So instead of being depressed for, for a week, it would go into days. And then from days, it could go into a day. And then from a day, it can go into a few hours. And then from a few hours, and here's the deal, then you can begin to catch it before it ever sets in. Because if you've ever been depressed, you know that you can see it, you can sense it coming. And when you can catch it before it hits, oh, buddy, now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> and now what you can begin to do is going to go, no, no, no. And so what's happening is, as you practice this, you can get stronger at this. And I'm just here to tell you, you can live free. So, Alan, do you, do you ever get depressed? I have moments, not days, not weeks, moments, and begin to catch it. And when I begin to catch it, thank God, I can kick it out the door because it might have been in my family, but it is sure not going to be in my future. And, and, this, and this is... Now, you're thinking, well, yeah, that's great. You're, 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 a, you're a pastor. Everything's supposed to be good in your life. I'm just a regular Christian. Well, one thing, there's no, there's no just a regular Christian. 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're in the family of God. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He's got a wonderful inheritance for you, and it's the same inheritance for you that belongs to me. You just have to find out what belongs to you, and you have to fight for it. But when you begin to fight for it, you can begin to realize, thank God I don't have to live this way. And I promise you, this is a fight worth winning. Because when, when you're not tormented by depression, when your whole family is not walking around on eggshells wondering if you're going to go off because you've been depressed, that's a wonderful thing. Or maybe it's anger. Or maybe it's just oppressiveness. Or maybe it's whatever is plaguing you that comes at your mind. Here's the good news tonight, guys. Jesus has already purchased our freedom from this. And we don't have to live this way. Now, we can live... That, that means, that, does that mean, Alan, everything is wonderful in your life and you just kind of float along on flowery reds of ease? No, 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 because life is still life. The devil is still the devil and crazy people still exist everywhere. <laughs> but what it does mean is I can't control that, but I can control my response and what I yield to and what I give into and what I kick out the door. And that's what we'll talk about next week. Stay tuned. <laughs> Would you bow your head with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for those that came tonight. Father, they made an effort to come here. And Father, in all labor, there is profit. Your words, your life, your truth changes us on the inside. Father, thank you. Many of us can declare what a wonder it is, what a wonderful thing it is to be free from depression. And Father, I thank you that that's available for every individual. Some have been plagued by it. Some have been in their family for years. But Father, you've redeemed them from that. And they belong to your family. And there is no depression in heaven. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we thank you for that. Heads are bowed, knives are closed. If you came this evening and said, Alan, I don't, I don't know if I'm right with God, if I have a relationship with God. Or Alan, I used to have a relationship with God and I got away from him. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. We are going to say a prayer. And sitting right in your chair tonight, if you've never made this, this declaration of Jesus as your Lord, or you know you need to come back to him, and you would like for us to pray with you, would you just lift your hand across the auditorium and say, Alan, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. Thank you for your courage. I realize it takes courage to do that. Wonderful. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You can join us with this prayer. We're going to pray it out loud. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord is my Savior. It's the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.